This is the voice of Carnage, and you are listening to Carnage Cast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Carnage Cast episode 52. I'm Tyler, and with me today are the two designers of a game on Kickstarter called Penny Press. Hey, I'm Robert Dykeman. And I'm Matt Golick. Guys, thank you for being on Carnage Cast today. It's great. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. This has been a uh, it's been a long time coming. I think trying to get trying to get you in the same room together. Something <laughs> on opposite sides of the state. Yes, but we made it happen. Uh, we're meeting up at a game day of all places, and we're going to talk about Penny Press, which is a uh, board game you two have designed, and uh, it's gone through quite a story that we're all we're going to get into as the show goes on. So why don't you start with telling us what Penny Press is? What's the elevator pitch? A Penny Press is a game where you are uh, sort of news barons in the late 19th century, old New York City, and you send out your team of reporters to gather stories in five different news beats, uh, popular news beats of the day, uh, war, crime and calamity, the human condition, politics in New York City, and you assemble those stories on your newspaper and go to press. Uh, and then the person who has attracted the most readers, moved their token farthest on the circulation track, is the winner of Penny Press. Well, it sounds very straightforward. <laughs> it is. Your news baron sending out your reporters. What what how, what shape does this take within the game? Are you placing meeples? Are you pulling cards? Yeah, so when you turn, there is a, a very limited amount of actions you can take. It's very simple. Uh, out on the board, you have these cardboard pieces that represent the stories that you need to publish. And you have five little wooden guys, meeples, in front of you that you will be placing uh, uh, from your uh, uh, supply out onto the board. Uh, that's one of the things you can do. You can only put them on one story at a time, and then it's somebody else's turn. Mm -hmm. Another thing you can do is move one guy from one story to another if you want to improve your situation on the board a little bit. And then uh, if you really are at the wit's end, you can take them all back. And, and try to do better next turn. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing you can do in your turn is publish, which is really choosing your moment of scoring points. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, it's very important in the game because these news beats that these stories are in, uh, they have a value and that value goes up and down. So you want to publish when the value is highest, but you don't want to wait so long with publishing that somebody else has just published before you, okay. which we called being scooped. So when someone else is published, someone else publishes, that may change the value of a war story. That's right. Yeah. Significantly, yeah. yeah. Okay. In the, within the structure of a turn, it sounds like everybody's doing an action, then moving around. So it's, it sounds like it's pretty quick play in that regard. It's very quick play. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and though the, the choices are simple, you, you move your reporters around or you go to press. That's mm -hmm. really all you can do on a turn. There's a, there's a lot of interesting choices that come out of that. Which story to go for? What... what you know, should I go after uh, Robert's story here? He's got a couple reporters there. Should I try to take that story from him? Should I go off on my own? You know, uh, look at mm -hmm. the bonus that we have some bonus uh, scoring at the end. Do I go for the bonus scoring, uh, sort of a long-term scoring strategy? Or do I try and get the best newspaper that will give me points right now? So, though they're simple choices, there's a lot of neat stuff in this game. Mm -hmm. Is it like a reactive style where I see that, I can need to grab it now? Or what's going to happen a couple actions later? I think there's a little bit of both. You do have to plan for the present, but also look ahead to the future. Mm -hmm. And the, the way you play the game changes about halfway through the game. Because in the beginning of the game, you will be trying to pick up stories and publish great newspapers and score a lot of points. But these stories all have stars on them. And at the end of the game, we uh, give out bonus values for whoever has the most stars in a newsbeat. There's five different newsbeats, so there's, there's five different bonus values that you can pick up. And during the game, these bonus values increase 
uh, due to card flips that happen when somebody publishes. Mm -hmm. uh, so not until the end of the game do you know which of the bonuses are going to be scoring high. So towards the end of the game, you want to pick up the stories in the right categories that have a lot of stars on them. Mm -hmm. And of course, coincidentally, also towards the end of the game, the higher star value stories will start appearing on the board because they will be on the bottom of the stacks. So they don't come out until the end of the game. Okay. So in the beginning of the game, you're trying to score points with nice publications towards the end of the game. Maybe you let a few points go in favor of uh, uh, getting a few more stars in the category that you really need stars in to score those bonus points at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the stories, but uh, a quality about the stories. Mm -hmm. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we reward the person who covered a certain news beat the best. So someone winds up being the war correspondent. And... Exactly. Exactly, yeah. 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 What kind of style of play would you guys characterize this as? It's sort of a medium uh, Euro game, mm -hmm. medium weight Euro game. Yeah. So there's it's semi-abstract, but there's still a, a theme to it. Well, I think one of the, the the theme is really pretty strong. I think that's what attracted a lot of people to the game is the the idea of uh, being newspaper reporters at the end of the nineteenth century is something that's uh, fairly new. I don't think we see that a lot, um, and that, I think that's one thing that Robert and I, as designers, are both interested in too, is exploring some new themes that, uh, uh, aside from the old just space and you know Dungeons and Dragons kind of stuff and zombies and zombies. Uh, and of course, zombies. when you make a board game that has to be playable within an hour, which has always been our goal, yeah. then uh, you're going to have to abstract certain things. Yeah. I mean, we can hardly send out real people to real events, writing down real stories and publish them in tomorrow's newspaper. That would take way too long. So we have these stories pre-written and, and you send out wooden guys yeah. onto stories that are laying in columns, uh, uh, which is somewhat of a simplification of what's going on, mm -hmm. really. But the fact that these reporters actually uh, uh, muckrake and increase these the, the value of these stories by by uh, 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 energizing the the uh, interest in that in that story newsbeat and and the way you assemble your front page with these stories, I think that all really uh, hits home for a lot of people. It certainly hits home for us. Indeed, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a strong like you said. It's a theme not a lot of people have touched on, but it's got that. It's got that sort of nostalgia, romantic view of it, but also the the reality component of these are actual news stories you guys pulled. Mm -hmm. Right. So you mentioned that it, it plays in an hour. So that was one of your design goals from the beginning, to, to have a compact game? I think for our first game, we wanted to keep it fairly simple. We, we didn't want to get into a big, sprawling two or three hour game, although there's certainly, we you know, there are games like that that we absolutely adore and love. But we wanted to try to keep something simple. That's why the turns are very simple. That, that's why a lot of the, the mechanics are very simple. Um, because we, we did want to uh, just do a straightforward design for our first, mm -hmm. for our first attempt. At and things. also, the, the one-hour games, those are the games that hit our table most often. Uh, it's not the, the big Twilight Imperium five-hour uh, games. And not even Eclipse, which we do in two or three hours. Mm -hmm. uh, but... The one-hour games like Village, uh, uh, a whole bunch of those Euro games, uh, that is what hits our, our table yep. most often. So that's what we wanted to make. Mm -hmm. And so where, speaking of what you wanted to make, where did this idea start? Where, where, did, where did Penny Press begin? Well, Robert and I were playing at a game night at a old triple play uh, in West Lebanon. And uh, after that, we went out for a drink or two, and we're just chatting about uh, games that we liked. Then we started talking about mechanics that we liked. Then we started talking about uh, 
kind of games we'd like to see. And then we talked about maybe that we'd like to, to, there's maybe a game in us that we'd like to put out there that we hadn't seen. We kicked around a few ideas. I have a background in uh, newspapers, and so I had had an idea in my head for a little bit about a newspaper game, and Robert was interested, so uh, that really started the ball rolling. And I developed a little bit of a, a prototype, very crude thing, just out of paper and, and pennies and things like that. Uh, brought it over to Robert's house. We kicked it around pretty hard, and, and uh, there were a few things to like. There was a lot to, to get rid of, but uh, that, that really started the process of back and forth. And, and, um, and, and so, so both of us are really woven into this game, both of our ideas. It's very much a 50-50 kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So what was your, your design process like? Was it, were you literally going over to each other's houses and bashing it together? Yeah, so like Matt said, in the beginning he made a prototype, came over to my house, and we really bashed on the prototype pretty hard. Um, which I think really shows, because it really became a much better game because of that. Uh, but then Matt took it back to his house and worked on it some more, and we got together again and uh, uh, bashed it some more. Uh, until at some point uh, I took over the game and started playing it with uh, uh, different game groups and uh, started fine-tuning it uh, and then gave it back to Matt and he took it and started fine-tuning it some more. Because uh, I really think that we've worked on it individually uh, and then brought it back. And that seemed to work fairly well for us mm-hmm. uh, because you are always in a situation where somebody has kind of blind-stared himself on the game where somebody else brings it and uh, and comes with a, a fresh look to the to the changes that you've been making yep. in the last few weeks. Yeah, I think there's only so far you can get as a single designer. I just I, I don't know how you do it without a partner because, like Robert said, I would have these problems where I get stuck on something or I'd uh, make this fix that that just was horrible and, and but I couldn't figure out how else to get around some problem so I'd bring it to Robert and he'd sweep it away and say ah oh, Matt you, you look at this you're not doing this right you do do and and then all of a sudden is that the Robert it would voice be totally that was my Robert impression and uh, all of a sudden it'd be like oh my gosh of course why am I doing this and you have to do this and, and then and there would be things that Robert would bring to me and I'd I'd be able to just look at it again with the fresh eyes as he said and say oh well, have you thought about this what about this or so, so having two people to bounce things off of is so important in the design process. Mm-hmm. Given that you you could each take it away and bring it back again to the other to the other, how far did Penny Press change from the the initial draft from each iteration and what we're seeing now in Kickstarter videos and such? Anybody who's been playing it around the town lately? It's a completely different game than what we started with. Uh, we started out with uh, trying to make a card game because we didn't want a board because uh, we had always in mind to publish something and a board is a significant cost. Uh, so we said, let's keep it simple. And so we had these cards that you laid out and they were locations in old New York City and you had uh, your meeples and they needed to go from one location to another. So you used uh, uh, time points mm-hmm. uh, to pay for cabs and, and to drive around the city. Mm-hmm. Um, we always had the stories. Uh, they were flimsy pieces of cardboard in the, in the beginning, uh, very cumbersome to deal with. We had values written on the back, so there was no variable story value, but the values were hidden because you couldn't see the back. And then you'd bring these stories back to your newsroom and assemble that newspaper. That part has always been the same. Mm-hmm. That is the core of Penny Press, is assembling that newspaper. Um, but the ads would give you income, which you could use then to pay for caps, and the ads have taken on a completely different role. 
We had a much larger newspaper, uh, very different shaped stories. If you look right now, we have our stories are kind of uh, based on a square system. Mm -hmm. So we have a one by two story and a one by three story and a two by two and a two by three. And those are the four shapes. Well, we had at least six more shapes. I at believe. least. Yeah. Um, so it's it's been a, a, an interesting journey. Mm -hmm. So someday when you're amazing uh, designers, we're going to look back. There's going to be a documentary, and they're going to show the draft and the final version. <laughs> it's like, is, are these the same games? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, but I think I'd like to emphasize what Robert said is there's that core of sending out your reporters, taking stories, reporting on stories, bringing them back to assemble onto a newspaper. And that's always stayed consistent. And that's been a real sort of you know magnetic north for us to follow as we were deciding what stays in the game, what goes out. And we, you know, we sort of use that. Does it serve this sort of core function of the game, this core fun gameplay uh, element? And if it didn't, then we would think about cutting stuff out. And a lot of times during the design process, cutting things out would clear up the game, make it play better. It's really interesting when you take things out, you add to the game. It, it's uh, counterintuitive. Even now, after three years of doing this, it still doesn't totally make sense and feels like the wrong thing to do. But a lot of times... To solve a game problem, we would take something out, take some annoying element out instead of trying to fix it, and that would uh, make the game play better. And when you watch the tabletop deathmatch, then mm -hmm. uh, it's very interesting to see the judges immediately latching onto that core of penny press of building that front page. Mm -hmm. That is what got their attention, and, and that is what got us to win the first prize. But I also think that that really is the, the, the fun and innovative thing we do. And the rest of the core mechanics, which are a lot of fun to play, which actually are the majority of the game, is, is placing your meeples out on the board. Mm -hmm. But they are in service of that building your front page mechanic. Yeah, so it tickles that spatial placement uh, exactly. enjoyment mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So speaking of tabletop deathmatch, you guys were designing, as I understand it, you were designing Penny Press before Deathmatch came into the picture. For at least a year, maybe even a little longer than Oh, that. no, it was two and a half years, man. Two and a half oh, before yeah. that? Oh, really? Oh, okay. yeah. Time flies. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so, but how, when, when, did, when did this enter your awareness and how, when did you decide to go for it? I think I probably saw it on Board Game Geek and brought it to Robert's attention. And we had our eye on Boston Fig, which is the Boston Festival of Indie Games about entering it there and showing it to some folks and getting some feedback. Um, and then this came up and, and we decided to enter this. We went back and forth a little bit about it. We didn't think we had a huge shot. We figured they were looking for a smaller, lighter kind of card game, mm -hmm. like Cards Against Humanity, the people who are sponsoring that game. Right. Uh, so we cobbled together an entry, went back and forth on that a couple times and, and hit the send button and didn't really think about it until... You know, a few months before Gen Con, when we got an email, and boy, it you know knocked me right off my feet. I, I couldn't believe. It. I kept reading it, thinking there's got to be a rejection here somewhere. What the heck is going on? And you were uh, on vacation in Maine. I was I over in correctly. Maine. That's right. And I called Robert, and I was jumping up and down, and voice was cracking like a you know, like a school kid. And uh, and uh, yeah, it was very exciting to get that notice. To, yeah, that was pretty crazy. Yeah. And then I remember that right before we flew out to Gen Con, because we we did not plan on going to Gen Con. In mm -hmm. fact. Uh, uh, you'll see in the episode that I had a vacation with my dad planned, who I hadn't seen for 10 years. Uh, so I, I had to call him and say, hey, dad, I'm, I'm going to Gen Con. Uh, you're going to spend some time with my wife who doesn't speak English <laughs> or who doesn't speak Dutch and you don't speak English. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, that was fun. Uh, he had a great time, by the way, he told me. Good. Uh, yeah, uh, but we flew to Gen Con. We booked flights, uh, flew out on uh, Saturday, 
uh, couldn't even get on the same flight. We, we weren't even on the same plane. Mm-hmm. And had flights uh, booked back on Sunday morning, like uh, some red eyes. Really, yeah, we flew out on Friday, came back on Sunday. So. Yeah. yeah. And so, then on uh, Saturday, uh, Saturday morning, we had to present our game uh, uh, to the to the judges, which is what you see in the episode. Mm-hmm. And which people sa- will be able to see um, if you click on the show notes, we'll link to the YouTube episode. Excellent. Great. Great. And then on uh, in the afternoon, we actually had uh, an interview set up with the people from Loading Ready Run. Those are the actual people that made the episode, that did the filming. Mm-hmm. And so that is all spliced in between the footage, so it looks like one right. whole thing. But it's actually two different uh, elements of the day that we did that. So you made your presentation, and then afterwards you had sort of a reflection on it and what you were thinking at the time? Yeah, and then they shot some additional footage, so when you see us playing the game, that is completely staged and fake. Aww. (laughs) I mean, you didn't spontaneously set up a demo? No, we did not. Okay. So you had this flying Gen Con trip where you you literally ran in, made your presentation, did some video, and ran It was a whirlwind. We were just in and out so quick. We we tried to see as much as we can and do as much as we can. I think we were both pretty exhausted after that uh, crazy weekend. But it was, uh, you know, we we, uh, we really, I think, you know, I remember sitting out on Robert's patio, uh, drinking more beers again. I'm surprised how much alcohol this game is associated with. Um, and talking, are we going to go? Are we going to do this? Are we going to really buckle down and commit to it? I think one of the things that, that pushed us over is we had been working on this game for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so we were pretty, we we're getting pretty comfortable with it. We still, there would be, still be some changes to make and some tweaks. We were pretty happy with the way things are going. And so that gave us the confidence to say, okay, let's uh, plunk down some money, go to Gen Con for this crazy weekend. And, I think it uh, paid so off. Do. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it might have worked out. It's early, but it might have worked out. Yeah, yeah. So so that was the Gen Con trip. And then how much was there... Now, this is something I'm curious about the table, the Deathmatch series, is how did much did it feel like an actual competition versus you making a pitch, and then X months later they let you know what happened? I think it was the the latter. We made a pitch. Uh, you know, there were competitors, uh, sixteen other teams, mm-hmm. but we got to be really, you know. I think deathmatch yeah. is completely the wrong a name for for what's going on here. I mean, it sounds interesting, and not even that, quite frankly. Um, but the the people that were there on Saturday that competed in the deathmatch all met up at a bar, uh, had some alcohol, and <laughs> again, yes, naturally. again. Uh, and, and that was actually one of the great parts of, of being at Gen Con, meeting all these other contestants uh, that also had these great games. And so we came to Gen Con with a board with some pieces of uh, paper pasted to it, uh, which is uh, painfully clear in the video. Um, and we see people there that have completed games. It was really quite overwhelming. Mm-hmm. A little uh, intimidating, yeah. And, and intimidating. Oh, yeah. We were very impressed with, with the level of professionalism that, that these other people brought to the table and thought we didn't stand a chance, quite frankly, after that drink. <laughs> Look how it turned out. So, the, the, so, so there was that credit, sort of um, waiting outside the casting lounge sort of aspect where you saw what other people were bringing, or is this was after you all had met up? So we were the first ones on Saturday morning that came in. And so you go in there, you do your pitch, and then they send you out, and then they go talk about you. Uh, and then they bring you back in so you can pick up your board and, and leave. <laughs> um, so while we were waiting outside, the, the next contestants, group two and three, mm-hmm. were, were appearing. And so we got a chance to talk to them at that point. 
Uh, other than that, we had uh, uh, the email addresses from everybody mm -hmm. uh, and, and we got in touch like that. So we knew up front before we went to Gen Con what we were going to do that evening. Mm -hmm. It was nice to meet some of these people face to face yeah. before we actually met them in the bar. Mm -hmm. But like you said, though, we were competing. We've actually become colleagues. We, everyone stayed in touch this past year and we've helped each other out with our Kickstarters and projects and ideas. And it's just really, I mean, one I think of the big prizes that we got out of this was this design community, this this uh, design community of people all over the country who are working on games, and it's just great to have those folks to to talk to and bounce ideas off and talk game design with. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how much high quality comes out of that. Discount Salmon, The Emberden Affair, uh, Pack the Pack, all these people are kickstarting right now. Who am I forgetting? What, Shadows uh, of Westminster. Shadows of Westminster, yeah. All these people are either kickstarting or they having the game for sale in, in the case of Discount Salmon. And these are fantastic games. And people that listen to this, really go check out these titles from the Tabletop Deathmatch because they're high quality. After Gen Con, what, what, what was next? Was there like a waiting period or had they? did you know soon? So we didn't know anything after Gen Con. Uh, we took like a month and uh, we got some contact from... I don't remember. The Cards Against Humanity called us after a month and said, hey, can we schedule a quick Skype call with you guys just to wrap things up? And, uh, you know, I suppose I'm of the two, Robert and I, I'm the pessimist of the duo. So I said, well, this is where they let us down. And, uh, okay, so... I was on board with that one. <laughs> I did not expect that. Actually, we, we talked to each other and said, okay, let's practice our graceful loser faces. Yes, here. yes, and we did that for a while. And uh, But then, uh, you know, we got on the call and they sort of said, well, you guys are great, you know, we appreciate you doing this and you're one of the winners. And, you know, we went crazy. Um, again, yeah, it was just very exciting. As much or more jumping down than when you first found out? Much more. Okay. Much more. Much Significantly more. more. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Because this, yeah, that was a big change. I mean, for for us and the little, you know, career stuff, it uh, it really marked a big. I don't know when you see that interview, you see me smiling all through that. Uh, yeah. Which, know. by the way, is because they couldn't get the video to work with me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you seemed very chipper in that picture. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, what was the process from that point forward? Was it you? I mean, the game was. Did the game need more revision? Could you go straight to print with it? Oh no. Or we, not print, but go to go to graphic design, I guess layout. No, we we. Yeah, we, we were uh, in need of graphic design, mm -hmm. uh, and, and we said that at the Tabletop Deathmatch. We, we designed the game, we did not design the graphics. Uh, so we went and we designed the graphics ourselves. Um, now, we went to the Boston Fig before that. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that's a great day. That's, that's a bunch of designers in uh, it was a MIT campus, is that right? MIT campus, yes. And uh, just everyone playing uh, uh, games they've designed and are... So the Boston Fig, by the way, that's the Boston Festival of Indie Games, which uh, will be on again in is it? September. Is I it believe. September? September, yeah. Okay. Super, super event. Uh, really fun. And, and again, more neat game designers doing some really, really cool things with with all sorts of great themes. It just it's just interesting to see the imagination out there. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful event. And that's multiple mediums, right? Not just tabletop, but electronic as well. There, there is one room, one big room for tabletop, and there is one uh, big room for uh, digital stuff as well. Mm -hmm. And I just got to peek my head into the digital, and that looked like a lot of cool things going on. But Robert and I were kind of running pretty hard uh, playtesting. Right. But basically, as we were setting up the, our table, uh, Chris from Osmati Games came over and said, uh, I'd like to publish your game. 
And that was a great way to start the day. <laughs> now, Chris had been one of the judges in Tabletop Deathmatch, who was a little familiar. He had also uh, wandered into a playtesting session for the Boston Festival of Indie Games. You have to submit your games and blind play for blind playtesting. And so he had played it before, and from those two experiences, he was really excited about Penny Press. Mm -hmm. And this, this that was Festival of Indie Games 2013 after the Gen Con right, competition. Right. Correct. This was after we had just heard yeah. that we had won the Tabletop Deathmatch. Right. Which we couldn't tell to anybody. No, of They asked us not to. And even before the graphic design, um, we took a little trip out to Seattle to do just a, a little bit of a, a little bit more playtesting with some some pretty cool folks. Robert, do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, so we went to Seattle. We went there with uh, uh, to see Mike Selinker, uh, who is the designer of D and D Third Edition, and he did things like he yeah. did third. I don't think he did yeah, third. He, he, he worked was... on three three point five. I think he worked on. He was with Wizards of the Coast and was involved in yeah. that. I can't remember exactly which edition. But he did uh, Pathfinder Adventure uh, Card Game, Card game uh, Betrayal at the House on the Hill, which we just played this morning, mm -hmm. um, and and a bunch of other games. Yeah, he's uh, worked with James Ernest. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a great designer. And so what we did not know at that point in time, uh, if you look at the video in the back room after they sent us out, uh, Paul Peterson and Mike Selinger both express worries about scoring mechanism in the game and the meeple placement mechanic in the game. And they both say they really want to work with us to uh, give us a shot in the arm, I think is what they put it at, to get those last problems fixed. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't know any of this, and nobody ever told that this was a concern. <laughs> so we were, we were asked to come to Seattle and work with Mike Selinger. And, of course, we said, yes, please. Okay. So we went to Seattle. Uh, uh, Mike Selinger has his offices in the basement of Penny Arcade, so we went to the building that Penny Arcade is in, and uh, met everybody at Penny Arcade, and and then uh, sat down with Mike Selinger, and played through the game. Uh, Mike uh, proceeded to tell us that there was nothing wrong with our game, and that he really liked it, um, which of course is uh, uh, a bit of a revision on on what you hear him say. In the episode, but again, we didn't know that, so we didn't know how to place that comment. Mm -hmm. Now that we all see it back, we kind of know what went on behind the screens. I see the magic was inside you all along. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but what they came to the conclusion as is, you actually are not uh, uh, doing area control uh, uh, worker placement, mm -hmm. because when you do worker placement, you uh, place a meeple somewhere and then get to take an action. And in Penny Press, you do not get to take an action when you place a meeple. Mm -hmm. In fact, what you're doing is you're bidding with your meeples on the stories. And, and so your meeples are your currency, and you have five of them. And if you place your bids right, then you're going to win the game. And if you don't place your bids right, then you're not. And there's a bit of a bluffing element and a bit of a game of chicken going on. Mm -hmm. um, and that is what Penny Press is about. And it was really nice to hear people talk about it in that way because it really framed it in our mind as to what it is because when you look at a game for so close for so long you start thinking about it in a certain way and and to just hear people say how what you've designed is, is really useful really helps think about it mm -hmm. were there any developments that came out of that perspective shift in particular yeah, one thing that we did, uh, besides just understanding the game a little more, Mike is, is really smart about just seeing through to the bones of a game. Uh, we got to uh, fix up our end game a little bit. We, we Our end game, I think, in retrospect now, kind of dragged out a little bit. And so Mike said, you know, you, I think uh, it's, it's a great game, 
but you need to sort of get out a little bit earlier because the during the end game things start to get a little less fun mm -hmm. and so robert and i took that home with us uh thought it over and tried to figure out a, a way to to wrap it up and in uh in some playtesting, we did come up with, I think, a great way to do that. And again, it accomplishes the same thing. We took out this sort of clunky mechanic, clunky mechanism for making sure everyone sort of, everyone got a last turn, all, the, all this stuff. And now it's much quicker. You're just in and out. And it accomplishes exactly the same thing. Again, that thing I talked about earlier. When you take stuff out, it sort of adds to the game and, and it's, it's like magic. Mm -hmm. And it, it becomes better, right? Oh, I yeah. Mean, yeah. Uh, the, the end game that we have right now. Uh, really ramps up the excitement, which is what we were looking for. But we thought that the way to get excitement towards the end is to have uh, uh, rules ramp up. And really the way to get excitement toward the end is to have it go quicker and have less rules and have uh, everybody make their little tiny mini turn much faster, uh, which is what we do right now. Mm -hmm. And and it is the end game gets because you know exactly what the endgame bonuses are that I talked around uh, about earlier. Mm -hmm. And you know exactly what the star value is of the stories out on the board. But you only have one guy that you can place at that point. And so to make that one placement count towards that, that end scoring, it's so interesting, it's so exciting to do that right, to look around the table, see what everybody already has, try to figure out... Uh, it, it really is one of my favorite parts of the game right now. Yeah, it's funny. It's gone from one that sort of was a little clunky to, to one that is the most exciting part. And we've wrestled with it because we, when we went to Seattle, uh, we had a game and we, we knew the end game was not exactly what we wanted it to be. We had wrestled with it. We had turned it over. We couldn't quite figure out how to do it. And we finally got kind of lulled into a sense of, you know what? It's good enough. It's, <laughs> it's not that great, but it's good enough. You know, the rest of the game is great, and the end game is... is well, good enough is not good enough. It's got to be perfect. It's got to be... If you want to play with the big boys, it's got to be good. Mm -hmm. It's got to be really good. Especially for the end. I mean, you want to go out with a bang. You don't want to leave people with a sort of Ugh, taste in your mouth. You want people to say, wow, that was exciting. Let's rack it up again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the, their last memory of the game. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. final round. Absolutely. Um, and then it's also, of course, the lesson from Ghostbusters. Once Mr. Stay Puff has exploded, you need to get off the roof as quickly as possible. <laughs> so after you made your design tweaks, it went to layout and you started creating the amazing, or the art started, the amazing art started to be created. And who did that? So we have an artist called Mackenzie Schubert. Uh, he was on, uh, what is the show? Strip Search. Strip Search. Arcade Strip Search, where they were looking for the next great web cartoonist. Sort mm -hmm. of, it's a similar yeah. idea to the tabletop deathmatch, looking for the next game and designer. he did an amazing job. We kind of sat around at PAX East, actually, mm -hmm. uh, uh, with Chris and Mackenzie, who was there. And uh, we, we talked about, uh, hey, what if we make the box a stack of newspapers with a cord around it? And he kind of took that uh, and then all of a sudden came back with pretty much the box the way it is right now mm -hmm. and we were all three blown away yeah and he's been super to work with and if tweaking things that we've talked about or say hey can you make this a little more of this and mm -hmm. he does it uh but he also comes up with just some fantastic ideas on his own that we don't even know we want until he shows us to us and say oh wow that's great that's it that's penny press the his, his vision for it is really lining up with your mental conception of what are, are what it ought to look like. Yeah, yeah. So you're going through all this process in secret because the death, the final deathmatch series hasn't aired yet. Right. 
And does that take us all the way through to when the series begins, or are there other developments that are happening? That's pretty much it. And, and it, you talked about secrecy, and that was one hard thing during this whole process, is we had to kind of keep a lid on things until the final episode came out on, what was it, June 10th? Is that, that when it finally came out? I think it was that June late. 10th, yeah. right, yeah. So that's a long time to keep our mouths shut, and, and it was hard to, to not be able to tell folks that uh, we'd won. Yeah, and we couldn't even tell the other contestants of the Table of Death match. They didn't even know who won. Uh, so that was awkward at some points. Mm. Indeed, yeah. Understatement. Right, because you're all still keep, you're still keeping in touch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a great community. Sounds yeah. like you guys yeah. really grew into a cohort along the way. Yeah, indeed. Absolutely. Absolutely. So after that, it was the, the Kickstarter. We were doing a lot of work to get ready for the Kickstarter leading up to the, the Tabletop Death match. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you were plotting your, your Kickstarter campaign out before it ever launched. Right. It, we did get some prize money. We got we got Cards Against Humanity and Ad Magic. They were very generous to the part, uh, with the prizes that they gave us. Uh, we got quite a bit toward a first printing. But we wanted to do a bigger printing with some updated, you know, enhanced components, better box, better cards, double-side mm-hmm. tokens. And to do that, we'd need to do a bigger print run. So that's why we decided to go with Kickstarter. Uh, so our, our sort of funding goal was pretty low, but in, everything on top of that is just making the game better and improving the components, and, and which are going to be in all copies. Most of the stuff is going to be in all copies of the game, too, not just the Kickstarter. Yeah, Although we really kick- wanted to make everything available to everybody now and, and, and later who will ever buy Penny Press. Because uh, the game really... So many Kickstarters are being approached as, uh, hey, this is a pre-order system and we give you all these extra goodies. And we didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. We wanted to say, no, we are going to improve the game with the money for Kickstarter. If you back us on Kickstarter, uh, then you will really have helped to bring this game uh, uh, to what it is. Um, and the art boy, we the, the newsboy, sorry, uh, the, the, the big uh, meeple, the big red meeple that we have at $37,500, we really can't afford to put that in the game mm-hmm. if we don't make that stretch goal. Uh, because that costs money, and we need to make a bunch of them to put it in, and and it would ah uh, it it would be painful to see that stretch goal not reached. Mm, I, that's yeah, a big yeah. one for me. But I've just been amazed by the way the campaign took off from June tenth, eleventh, mm-hmm. when it launched. It, yeah. you, you've made your goal in forty eight hours, twenty four. Well, the goal it was, was, it was goal artificially goal. low. So yeah, it, it yeah, was We knew we were going to go to print, but uh, but yeah, they, there's been so much support and. Uh, Helping us fund this game, it's been so, so encouraging to see everyone come out and, uh, uh, you know, put some money behind Penny Press and help us make a, a big, great game. Mm-hmm. And that's the amazing thing of Kickstarter, because every morning when I look during the night, there were 10 people that I don't know, that I don't know where they're at, and they don't know me, mm-hmm. but they want to play my game. They want to play our game. Mm-hmm. How how amazing is that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and they've pledged uh, uh, forty or sixty five dollars to get it shipped to Europe because they they pledged sixty five dollars to get this game in Europe. They have to pay twenty five dollars worth of shipping, um, and that is actually twenty five out of the forty dollars that we have to pay because shipping is never free. Mm-hmm. We sponsor like ten dollars worth of shipping in the United States. We have to sponsor like fifteen dollars worth of shipping to Europe because it's very very expensive. Um, and they are willing to pay that for our game, and it blows me away. It is it is so humbling. You literally you can see the numbers racking up as a, as an outpouring of support through the Kickstarter community. Are you, have you been getting feedback from other channels as well, from people? 
you know, different blogs and uh, little news sites have been picking us up and mentioning us and saying how neat the game looks and what they, they, they really like the theme. So that's been terrific to see that. We're getting some comments on Board Game Geek, people putting it on their want lists and, and everything. So, yeah, there's it's just been little bits and pieces from everywhere. And, uh, you know, that's really made us feel good. As of recording, we're about 12 days out from the end of the campaign. Uh, this episode will probably drop with 10 to 9 days to go. Mm -hmm. uh, is there anything that listeners should be looking for in the announcements? Should they be watching for a special announcement? Well, they'll, they'll you know, depending on how uh, much more money we raise to, to make Penny Press, there may be some more stretch goals that we'll be adding on to, to make the game even better. So definitely keep an eye on that. We have more. <laughs> we have to. If people keep uh, funding, it, funding it the way they've been doing, we'll have to come up with more. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I don't know what else to come up with. <laughs> boy, we're, we're stretching it as it is. I'm sure you'll be very inventive. So, <laughs> so my point is that even listening now, people should definitely go and back it. It sounds interesting because there's, there's more to reach for. Well, well, so what we're doing is we're giving uh, uh, the game uh, to you for $40 instead of $50. Uh, so there is a 20% a discount off of MSRP. Mm -hmm. So right there is an incentive to buy the game. Then we're throwing in a penny press extra. And, and a lot of people have been asking us, what is the penny press extra? Well, on the cards in the game, there's 45 cards in the game, and every card has a unique news story. But there's a limited amount of room on the card, and those the way the cards are designed, the news story runs off of the card to give you kind of the idea that you have like a snapshot of a newspaper. Mm -hmm. We hated that because... Now you can't read the whole news story, and we did write the whole news story, and we know that people are interested in these news stories. So if you back the Kickstarter, we're putting all these news stories in a uh, special edition newspaper, which we call the Penny Press Extra. Uh, we're printing the, the box cover art in that uh, in a really nice way. Uh, and, and that is like... I love that little extra. I think that's cool. Then we're giving away press passes. Mm -hmm. Everybody that backs the Kickstarter gets five press passes. These are designed to be worn during the game. Uh, they show what player color you are. Uh, we found during playtesting that if a player has all their meeples out on the board, uh, you really want to know uh, which player is which color. Right. And uh, now we print the color on the on the player mats. Every player has a player mat in front of him. Uh, but we, we don't have that in our in our playtest copy that we uh, put together. And it really is important that you know what player is what color. So we have people wear these press passes during the game. Uh, you can only get these press passes if you go in on the Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. um, so those things you get for the Kickstarter. And then everybody that backs us, like we said before, is making this game better. The more people that back us on Kickstarter the better this game becomes for everybody. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the spiffy Kickstarter. It's the version people are going to find in the stores got better because they contributed now. Correct. Right. We do That's not right. want to put stuff in the Kickstarter that influences play in any meaningful way that is only for Kickstarter people. We don't think that that's the right way of doing things. We want to improve every copy of the game. If you support us on Kickstarter, that's what you're doing. You're making this project a reality. So just to sum up the Kickstarter benefits, $10 off the, the manufactured suggested retail price. You get a couple little uh, Kickstarter extras, the Penny Price Extra paper and the press passes. And in the U.S., uh, you know, you get it shipped to you. So, boy, you just can't knock that. No, sounds excellent. If, if people want to check this out, where should they be going? Uh, Kickstarter for sure, but is there a, like a central hub that they, they can visit on the web? 
Well, you can go to uh, pennypressgames.com and there'll be all the links there to our Kickstarter page. You can go to Osmati Games too and see see it there. Or just go to Kickstarter and search for Penny Press and we'll pop right up. Mm-hmm. And I would also recommend they check out your designer diary on BoardGameGeek, which yep. is a running thread in the Penny Press forum. And if folks want to get in touch with you directly, are you guys available? Info at pennypress.games.com is our email address, and that's a good way to get a hold of us. You can also just go to pennypressgames.com. We have a contact form there, and uh, you, we'll, uh, we'll hear you. And you can follow Matt on Twitter at... At MattGoWrite. Very good. You're not on Twitter, Robert? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I am somewhere, somehow, and every Dipping once in a while. Yeah. Uh, but but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm still feeling it out, yeah. Mm-hmm. And feel free to like our Facebook page. Uh, Penny Press has a Facebook page where we also post updates. Mm-hmm. Penny, Facebook.com slash Penny Press. Penny Press Board Game, I think. Penny Press Board Game. That'll be in the show notes, of course. You should just like, click on that. Um, guys, thank you very much for being on Carnage Cast. Thank you. Hey, Tyler, you've been so supportive for Penny Press. We really appreciate you helping get the word out. It means a lot to us. Been very happy to help. Uh, Listeners, you should uh, visit CarnageCast itself at CarnageCon.com slash CarnageCast. You can email us at podcast at CarnageCon.com and uh, visit iTunes to check the back catalog. And of course, we will be bringing Penny Press to Carnage. That is absolutely true. You will be at Carnage. Absolutely. Wouldn't miss it. Wouldn't miss it. With the shiny, fresh off the print copies, we hope. It'll be tight. We'll see. We'll see. Depending on the shipping schedule. No, no, no. We should should have copies in October at this point. That'd be great. We we met that stretch goal. That'd be great. God's love to see you willing. They'll make it on the slow boat. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you, Tyler. You've been listening to Carnage Cast, a production of NNEG LLC. All rights reserved. For more information, visit us at www.carnagecon.com.